0: Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 59. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. Guess what? The episode starts right now. Guess who's back? back again rob mclean <laughs> he's light skin. <laughs> guess who's back guess who's back guess who's back what's up people episode 59 this is sports debates tuesday and along with rob keep it mclean mclean i am jason debas and welcome into. thank you for having us in your living room. We have a lot. I'm stuttering because we have a lot to unpack. We have so much to unpack. We got to kick some of this down the road next week, right? <laughs> uh, FIVB, you know, they got a big thing going on in Cancun. But I think as we get more information, I think I'll opine on that. And I'm, I'm definitely, we're definitely going to do a, a, an awards thing for the last two years. Best new player, hardest working coach in America, hardest working player in America. It's all going to be fun because that's our wheelhouse. And But first things first. March Madness is back. Yes. Rob McLean, March Madness is back with a vengeance. The Fighting Illinois, gone. Oh, the great Ohio State, Buckeyes, gone. West Virginia was a top 10 seed, Gone. You know uh, about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, three out of the out of the four top seeds advanced. You got Gonzaga, got Baylor, you got um Michigan, of course. That's I believe that's your favorite to win the whole thing. Mine is yeah. Gonzaga. Um Gonzaga against Arkansas. Um Arkansas survived a scare, two point scare, if you will. Um hmm. Ooh, Rutgers blew it, man. Rutgers so... blew it against Houston. They had to lead the whole time and you know, three point lead. They really mismanaged the clock and they got three turnovers at the end no points, no points. So they deserve what they get. So Rob, so let's have a little fun with this. Let's tap on this because, you know, the Final Four is going to be next week's podcast. So the question is, Question. we got a question one and we got a question one A. Hmm. Which upset did not surprise you at all?
1: Um. So my upset that didn't surprise me was Loyola, Chicago, Illinois. Um, and I know that's pretty crazy, but you know when you you know when you're filling out a bracket and you look down at the teams and you know this you know the second round's not quite the first round um, there's certain games I think that you you kind of just like uh oh, you know what I'm gonna come back to that one I'm not quite sure about that you know and that's like what you what you see with you know like a Davidson team or like uh, or Roberts or like uh you know um uh, you know Syracuse being an 11 seed you know you look over those games you're like
0: hmm
1: let me come back see if I feel a little better at it And that's just the same with Loyola Chicago, you know, when they when they enter the tournament, they're just a tournament team now, you know, like some teams are fantastic during the season. All those top 25 teams are amazing during the season. But when it comes down to crunch time, one person to beat, you know, teams in front of you, some teams just have that that little thing about them, you know, and and that's kind of what Loyola Chicago, I feel like has has become as a as a basketball school, you know, so. That uh, definitely didn't surprise me. Um, I'm super happy for them, and I think they absolutely earned it. But, uh, yeah, I definitely picked that, that matchup.
0: Okay, Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. I totally agree with you with Loyola Chicago. We we saw them in 2019, I believe they made the the, the Elite Eight or something like that, or maybe the Final Four. And I think as long, I think they have something that goes beyond um, just just player talent. When you see a team like that in the mix consecutively, you start thinking, okay, they got good recruits, but do they recruit like Duke did? They recruit like this, and you're like, no. And then you go to the coach, and I'm like, okay, we got good coaching. And, and you got you got this guy that's coaching people up. He's doing more with less. And now he's doing more with more. And now LL Chicago is becoming a more attractive place to play. With. And... And of course that woman, that, that that nun or whatever she is, as long as she's alive, I, th- I think I think they're gonna start losing when she dies. That's just me on a cosmic level. I'm, I mean, I'm a sports guy and I know we want to apply sports science to all of this stuff, but I think as long as she's alive, they're gonna keep winning. We, you, I think I speak for both of us that we were not very high on the fighting Illini anyway as, as a one seed. And and they did the right thing to, to, to deserve to be top five or whatever and this and that, but I thought they kind of backed into the playoffs. As they're one of the high seeds that backed into the playoffs, so that didn't surprise me. Rob, with that being said, my, my not-so-surprised are the Syracuse Orange, formerly known as the Orange Men, but because everybody's claiming everyone's all sexist and stuff, so now they're just known as the Orange. <laughs> Give me a squeeze for America. This dude, Beheim, Buddy Beheim, Jim's kid, Everybody's complaining about nepotism. Oh, he only got a scholarship because he's his son. He's just, he's just taking up a spot on the team. Listen, chump. <laughs> he's the best player on their team. He only scored three points the first half and then just lit it up the second half. And the game before that, he scored 16 of the team's first 19 points. This guy is indeed, in a good way, the coach's son. West Virginia... Looked kind of shady, uh, shaky at the end. They backed into the NCAA. They didn't do very good in the Big 12, whatever. I think they, they lost in the Big 12 quarter or semifinals. Um, Syracuse didn't win the ACCs, but they looked really good going in, particularly this kid. And I was like, Rob, I said to self, I said self, wouldn't be surprised if Syracuse gets to the Sweet 16. Oh, by the way, they get a savage for a coach. They have an absolute savage for a coach. And that's my not so surprise pick. I got to go with Syracuse, right? I really like yours. I really like yours because we weren't surprised if they got past the second round. Styles making matchups if um Loyola Chicago with um, in, a, in an Illinois, you know, like a kind of a re- almost regional thing looking mm-hmm. at each other from, you know, tons of videotape, tons of first hand first hand knowledge if they beat if they beat the fighting Illinois. So Rob, question 1A. And topic 1 is which um upset did surprise you, and I'm gonna go first on this, and I, I, I'm probably gonna steal from you, but I don't, I certainly don't mind if we agree. <laughs> I gotta go with Oral Roberts. Oral mm-hmm. Roberts won their—I don't know—I forgot their conference, but they won uh, with a last-minute shot that get, that got them that, to that scenario, albeit in the semifinals or the finals. And to me, it's not about win-loss records or where you're ranked as much as it is about momentum. If a team's more talented than you, and even on their worst day, they're going to beat you. But Oral Roberts did not back into the playoffs. They stormed into the playoffs. And when they beat Ohio State, I was like, huh, okay, who else are they going to beat? And and now they're in the Sweet 16. Um, I'm going to save you the rest of the floor. But for me, I'm going to go Oral Roberts. But I will as a joke before I give you the floor. When you hear of Oral Roberts, do you think of a university? No, you think about that minister who is like, remember a couple of decades ago, he said he need a couple of million dollars or God's going to take his life or some shit like that, right? So me, I only knew about it. Because it made national news i grew up a jimmy swagger guy you know because <laughs> jimmy swagger sounds like elvis presley when he sang those songs He's like more of you right i've had all but what i need <laughs> that, that's how he sounded you know just more of you um but then he started dressing in women's clothes hiring prostitutes to laugh at him and teasing him and then gets on tv all well out. Like, i have sinned and and for the people that believed in jimmy swagger instead of believing in god you were disappointed, and I guess I was a little bit too. Enough religion. Back to sports. Floor is yours. Who surprised you?
1: Uh, you know, so my biggest upset had to be uh, Abilene, Christian, and Texas in the first round. I mean, <laughs> that is, and I know, same kind of deal with uh, Loyola, Chicago, and uh, and Illinois being in the same state. You know, those guys probably have a ton of... Not just video on each other, but animosity. You know what I mean? Like same area, same region. They don't get to play really that much, or they don't. They don't seem like they're in the same like uh, stratosphere. You know, as a Texas, you know, as a you know second or a fourth seed. Uh, but the biggest thing was that they, you know, it was a tight game. They held a the team under sixty points. That's I feel like the biggest the biggest uh, opportunity for an upset is to play great defense uh, for for some of these lesser teams. So holding Texas Texas under 60 points is fantastic. You know, they won by two points, close margin. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just think that that totally surprised me. Probably busted a lot of brackets. Um, but yeah, I was not expecting that one. And, and, you know, big up.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. And there's something about, like, smaller colleges playing bigger colleges in the same state that makes them, um, that that amps them up. They, right. they they play like a half a level higher than their expectations because they're, they're they are not scared of the this, this stage they they're they're amped to play a team that that they're under the shadow of You know, right? I mean, every sport's like that. If you look at volleyball, yep. there's there's teams that want to play. I mean, my whole volleyball career, uh, I've earned every single win win because nobody particularly wanted to lose to me. <laughs> you know, so there's some players they're want to lay down and die because they respect them. But Jason, oh, the hell with you. But uh, a New York Knicks, right? I mean, in, in addition to them sucking for a long time, someone goes to the garden. They know the world's watching. They wanna. They're gonna overperform. They're gonna play above their expectations, and that's what we yep. saw with abilene in texas and for sure that's what we saw with oral roberts and uh beating um ohio state and winning their second round and and syracuse i'm telling you just right place right time i don't think the stage is too big for jim boheim i don't Beheim. i don't think the stage is too big for his son who is um you know grew up grew up you know in 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 that kind of setting that kind of stressful right. setting he he's He's a coach's son. He's basically an on-court coach, so I, I knew the stage wouldn't be a bit too big for him. They lit it up with threes, dude. That first round, mm-hmm. they lit it up. They, man, they, they, I was like, dude, come on, get out of here with that. Uh, congratulations to the pack for finally representing. Right, they got four pack teams, um, t- pack twelve teams in the Sweet Sixteen, USC. Who I thought was gifted a high seed, but definitely did the job against Kansas. I, you you know you can't say anything about them no more. UCLA, that was like a beer bracket. Oregon got a first round bye. so we you know Oregon State, they earned their buck too, right? Um, winning by fourteen, so big up to Pac We're West Coast people, but I'm still an ACC guy because all of those guys are for all of those are former Big East teams. So I grew up on Syracuse, UConn, all them all them teams. So, um, cool man. Hey. We're going to explore a little bit of this next week because by the time we get back on, it's going to be the Final Four, right? A week from now, it's going to be the Elite Eight and Final Four. So um, for now, we shut the door on the NCAA and let's open the door on topic number two. This is a topic of interest. We go back to the NFL. Um, A lot of quarterback trades. um, A lot of trades before the draft because people want to know if they should draft a quarterback. And I get why, why the hell everybody's scrambling and trying to sign these free agents and this and that fits right. Sign with the Washington mm-hmm. Redskins, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he was the uh, the highest out to trade, even with these allegations, which we, you and I agreed, we're not going to talk about this week. We're going to kick the can down the road until more of the facts come out. And I, I actually would like to have Miranda on the show too, because before I talk about things where you're supposed to always believe the women, Woman or, or, or conspiracy laden stuff. It's nice to have a woman in a room or or you know someone who's in the sports like 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 different her. perspective. Yes, yeah. yes. Don't you? I mean, so we not we ain't touching that this week, uh, but we we had to talk about it because he's a quarterback that that could wind up with another team. So Rob, with these three choices, we're we're talking about we consolidated the quarterback sweepstakes to three <laughs> quarterbacks. So Rob. The question is, who wins the quarterback sweepstakes between these three quarterbacks and teams? Wentz going to Indianapolis? Stafford going to the Rams? Or Jared Goff going to the Lions?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really difficult. uh, You want me to go first? You want to go first? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I want to go
0: first. Get out of my way. Rob, (laughs) keep it. McLean, McLean. First of all, Uh, uh, I don't even, I mean, this topic is tainted to begin with because we both agree that Jared Goff Goff is the biggest loser, all right? That wasn't the question, so we're just going to eliminate him, okay? We're just going to take Goff. And and he lost Kenny Galladay. He lost Kenny
1: Galladay, too. (laughs) (laughs) He's got no lead receiver.
0: Yo, Detroit is where careers go to get buried, okay? Even Calvin Johnson retired in his prime (laughs) after Aaron Rodgers threw that bomb. He's like, nah, to hell with this football stuff. All right, Goff, you're out, man. You're not in this conversation no more. So now it goes down to Wentz or Stafford. I got to go with Matthew Stafford. Stafford's in a situation where he has a, uh, a credible wide receiver core. I mean, Cooper Cup is not, he, I mean, he, you don't think of him as a pro bowler, but the, the way that they, that they set up their offense, the, the dink and dump, the West Coast offense, and occasionally have a deep, deep threat. Running backs that could catch passes, running backs that, that slash through the middle. Uh, uh, an amazing, savage coach. Uh, that that knows how to coach up defense and has a heightened emphasis on special teams. It's the single best situation Matthew Stafford's ever been in in his in his football career. You're in LA. Sure. It's finally warmer. You're not freezing to death. You have everybody that's all down with team, and you know Stafford's a team player because we've seen him play with a dislocated shoulder and score on the Cowboys on a fake um uh, spike. You know they thought because he was hurt, he was just going to clock it, and he just ran it in, stuck it, stuck it to him. Got to go with Stafford for those reasons. Uh, Good enough wide receiving core, running game and run blocking that that cushions him and that protects him uh, from being, you know, blitzed all the time and, and, and hit all the time. He's been injured a lot, but you know what? He's never missed games because of his injury, except for one year he missed eight games because of, I think, a clavicle thing or a collarbone thing. So everyone talks, says he's injury prone. He's not injury prone. He gets injured because he gets hit a lot. And, and he does not miss games as a result of that injury, unlike some of these quarterbacks out there, right, that are taking him money. He deserves Absolutely. his money. He deserves his situation. And I wouldn't be surprised to, if they were in the NFC Championship game, maybe against the Bucks or against Rodgers and the Packers. What do you think, Rob?
1: So for me, I'm glad we on a debate now. We got a debate. So you know, don't tell me you played, chose golf. Oh no, no, no! Come on now. You know, as bad as he played last year, I think that was just a, a compilation. A, you know, a compilation of what what's happening in Philadelphia. Uh, there's just so much stuff going on. I I thought Doug Peterson had a lot more of a lock on the uh, on the locker room. Uh, but you know, obviously, you'll see. Just you know, that whole team is kind of falling apart. Uh, so I feel bad for you know Jalen Hurts even that you know he's got to go into that situation and make it better, but it's probably best for him. But when we're talking about uh, Stafford against Wentz, you know Wentz, I know he played so bad last year, but he his potential is higher than whatever Matthew Stafford's had his entire career. Um, that mentioned he now has one of the best offensive linemen in the league, one of the best offensive lines in the league, so he's going to be protected. And all they got to do is get a receiver. They got a really nice running game. They got a really solid front line. And they have a, an okay receiving core. Hopefully they bring back T.Y. Hilton. Um, but, man, they they have a really solid team. And that's just on offense. You know, a lot of people don't talk about Indianapolis. But their pass rush, their secondary, you know, their a little bit front line is, is okay on defense. But their defense is real. Their defense is playoff ready, playoff, you know, possibly, ch- uh, you know, conference championship ready. So, you know, for me, I have to say Wentz because he landed in the perfect opportunity. You know, when you're talking about the Rams, yes, they have one of the best defensive players or probably the best defensive player in the league uh, and probably two of the top five defensive players in the league in Ramsey and, and, uh, uh, and Aaron Donald and at the right positions too. Um, but for me, that offense for the last two years has not looked like the the, the offense when when uh, Sean McVay came in that first year. You know where he was. You know I I I I uh, you know I can photographically remember the plays that they put out there so I can beat other teams. You know it just doesn't. I don't feel that explosive offense anymore. You know maybe they don't have the players or the personnel or golf isn't doing it right. Um, that team had fantastic wins you know, but they were low scoring wins, you know? So again, a lot was put onto that defense and not a lot was, was put out for the offense. So, um, yes, things can change. Uh, but I just don't see that the point production, um, changing with Matthew Stafford because of the system, not necessarily because of the quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think that Wentz, man, he landed in an absolutely perfect situation. Talking about the coaching, then talking about the defense, talking about the offensive line, and then the pieces around him. They have seven picks in the draft to make a good receiving core. Seven picks for a good receiving core, and you guys are golden. And I want to see Indianapolis with a 10-win season next year.
0: You know what, Rob? I got one thing to say about you choosing this guy uh, over me choosing the other guy. I got one thing to say to you. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you got me You got me You, you got me on the players Okay you, you got me on the wide receiving core I mean I, I mean I mean Listen Wentz is the reason why someone like T.Y. Hilton would stay And me I was talking about coaching chemistry Remind our audience Listen Who's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts It's Frank Reich Who was his offensive coordinator During that Super Bowl year Yeah Rob Keep it McLean McLean you got me.
1: <laughs> Ten wins. Yo, Ten wins this year.
0: <laughs> topic two, man. Score one for Keeper McLean. McLean, listen. This team, I think, at nine six and one or nine and seven, that Rams team made it to the playoffs. And the Colts, I think, who who were um, eleven and five. Oh no, they also made it. They played the Bills. I thought they were mm-hmm. one of the teams left out in the code. That was that was um no, that was the Miami Dolphins. Um, they were ten and six, and too bad for them. Whew, mm-hmm. How about the AFC? How about the AFC East, man? That's gonna be. I mean, it used to be just like the Patriots preying on on the rest of the league for a six and yeah. 0 record, but now, you know, Patriots are gonna get better. Look, they were seventy nine last year. Cam Newton, he's only gonna get better. I mean, he ain't gonna get worse under Bill. The uh, Buffalo Bills, they still feel like they're on the mission. Miami, we've been talking high about them all the time. The Jets, um, I guess, you know. They're the jobbers. You know, WWE has something called jobbers, like guys that are supposed to lose to the big guys, pin pin Mm -hmm. me and pay me. Sorry, man, that's the Jets right now. You know, I mean, (laughs) I think everybody's trying to avoid them in the draft. So that's topic two. Okay, topic three. Consistent with all of our episodes, we go back to the UFC. Last week, Khabib... It's be retired, which is not news to me because he said he was retiring after he beat Justin Gaethje and everybody was like, oh, he didn't really mean it. He's only going to retire if it's George, unless George St. Pierre comes back. That, this, this Russian cat, this, this Muslim dude, this Muslim Russian cat from Dagestan, Russia. Listen, when he, pro, those are, those are guys when they say they're going to do something, they're going to do something. So for me. Khabib retiring was not news because he. when he said he was gone, he was gone. He don't need. He no. He doesn't need a, a lot of money. And you know Dana paid him, All <laughs> right. So the money he's on. He he he's he's good. He doesn't need. Uh, the competition. He's undefeated. And he was a decision machine until he faced high level competition, and then he started getting finishes. <laughs> so so, Khabib not news. All right. Um, last week. Um, who, who fought last week? The main event. Oh, it was Derek Brunson against against Holland. Holland chatted it up for five rounds and Brunson didn't take the take the bait, man. Let's talk mm. for a couple of minutes about that main event. Um, for sure. Were you more impressed with Brunson not, not biting the bait, not getting sucked into it? Or were you more disappointed that Holland basically chatted the way a, de- a decision lost?
1: Bro, both, honestly. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I was really disappointed Uh you know, because that was more Kevin Holland than we've ever seen Kevin, have Kevin Holland. You know, he's usually a talker, but he's usually focused and talking when, you know, he's uh, breaking down their de- defense or, yes. you know, he's making them miss or, you know, it gets them on the ground, you know, when he's in the advantage position or he feels like, you know, because even when uh, Jacare was on top of him, you know, when he felt in an advantage situation, like, oh, he's not really putting body to body to me, I can still swing. That's where I'm going to start talking because I feel like, you know, I'm still in an advantage situation. Uh, he was talking when it was neutral, you know, and I don't like that at all because you're not focused on finding those weaknesses and finding what's your, you know, your game plan. You know, even if your game plan is locked in, you're like, like Derek Brunson, who, again, I was very, very impressed. You know, I was very impressed because, you know, I, I'm not a biggest fan of Derek Brunson, but the one thing that translates in every division is wrestling. so that's like the basis if you can't and the same thing happened with Izzy for a long time when he was making his way up is that if you can't defend the takedown you can't be a striking specialist because you're gonna get taken down you know and the same thing is with Nagano in the the heavyweight Mm -hmm. if you can't wrestle you will be taken down you know and you're that neutralizes your entire game you know because there's a whole different world down on the mat
0: Yes. So uh, I can well, show you the world. <laughs> exactly. The whole world okay. <laughs> and your face is going
1: to be in that canvas. See, for me, w- with that fight, I, l- I know that Kevin Holland's going to be a champion one day because, man, did he start that dude a couple times and, and he made him feel it. Like, but that wasn't yeah. a five round fight. You know, he fought, you know, a minute or two for each round. And then, you know let him get close to him. Like, dude, just keep backing up. Change the angle. You know, hit him with punches when he comes in. You know, use knees. There was no knees thrown. Like, these are things that are monumental when you're trying to fight a wrestler. Uh, And and I didn't see a thing. So uh, very disappointed in Kevin Holland's performance. But I know he's going to bounce back because, you know, he's just mentally, like, in another realm. So I know he's going to be good. Brunson, I was really impressed because it was very calculated, very planned out. And, you know, before the fight, when you talk about who's going to win, who's going to do this and that, again, you always see, you know, the positives on both sides, but you don't see the basis. Kevin Holland got took down in the Jacare fight. Kevin Holland got took, is, gets takedown in most fights, honestly. Uh, his takedown defense is not great, but what he does is he uh, adapts and, and maximizes whatever situation he's in. And so, again, I don't think he did that at all. Um, he did that for spurts 30 seconds of each round, but um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed in his uh, his movement around the ring.
0: Speaking of uh, maximizing your ability and your efforts, Derek Brunson overachieved in this in this match. It's a match where I thought he was um, ranked higher. But at the same time, and people's this gut feeling and, and everyone's heart or hearts, they thought Kevin Holland was going to start him. I mean, you they have some correlation to support that like Whitaker. Whitaker knocked him out because Brunson chased him. Uh, Adesanya knocked him out because Adesanya lives in the Matrix. But the the one difference is, Brunson had a, a lot to say before a lot all of those matches, and this one. Saw the weigh-ins, uber-focused. You know what I'm saying? They want to take team pictures. He want to smile. He want to, you know, mean mug or, like, fight, you know, push him for camera time to pose off. Bunsen didn't bite any of that. And he's like, hey, hey, hands up. Let's touch gloves. Brunson's nothing. Just absolutely stoic, stone cold. Knew that he didn't have the reach. Knew that he didn't have faster hands. Knew that this guy, that Holland does have one-punch knockout power in both hands. um, And knew... That he was a better wrestler, and mm-hmm. he's probably thinking to himself, "Damn, I watch Jan Blachowicz against Israel. Why did, Why am I sitting there trying to trying to bang, stand up and bang with Israel Arasanya? Damn, I know I know Whitaker's got good takedown defense, but I got I I am an American wrestler. Why did I go after him? Just going going left, just going one two and leaning with my chin up, trying to get that left in and get get caught. This dude is focused, and I, it's weird because I see himself in a title picture where he's in weighing over his head again but then if he keeps fighting like this maybe maybe he isn't because to me i thought he overachieved that match i thought he overachieved in that match and he did get caught but i guess i guess if you spar enough times and if you if you got good coaching you know how to roll with some of those things and i was very impressed that he ate some of those shots because those shots finished a lot of people
1: but see he's gotten knocked out by some of the best of all time i mean he got knocked yeah. out by mcgregor he got knocked out by Izzy. He got knocked out. So I mean, when you take shots like that, you know, you kind of have to. You kind of know what's coming. Like I don't think Holland hits harder than than, than McGregor. I mean, it was way earlier McGregor. in his career, but yeah, Brunson and McGregor. No. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Brunson, he hit him Brunson with a bolo. Fuck Conor McGregor.
1: Yes, he hit him with a bolo punch. I remember watching that fight too much. I'm what division? You, this young.
0: Brunson's one eighty five. How that? But it's
1: way. Huh? I believe it was a weight cut and a catch weight. I'm, I'm almost very positive right. that it was because I, I remember watching that bola yeah. punch thousand times, man.
0: Well, right now we are going live with this, but I'm gonna definitely yeah. put it. I'm gonna definitely. Well, we're gonna put, come back on. That I'm gonna one. put like a little stencil in on the edit, like so. If you're I'm gonna be like, hey, Rob's got it, or, or like, or like Rob's on crack. Um, <laughs>
1: Like Kevin, apparently. Yeah, you know, they can't believe they'd be calling him that. That's insane.
0: I love when he was looking at Khabib, like, any suggestions? <laughs>
1: He's looking at Khabib. How about uh, keep yeah. your distance? How about that? <laughs>
0: Like on his Jesus. phone, uh, watching. Stay
1: him talk focused. To him. Stay focused. Yeah, um, I that.
0: Hey, we gotta well vi- re- revisit some of this on quick question. But before we we leave this, we got a big one coming up this week. A lot of cancellations. I was very disappointed that Volkanovski and and Ortega got canceled. Volkanovski came up up with the Rona, so that got canceled. And yeah, um, Johnny Walker was supposed to fight Jimmy Croot. That got that got scratched. And like this stacked card that had like two or three titles, two uh, two titles on the line. Only has one, but because it's top, it's Top heavy, it's so worth watching and and there's a lot of good matches. But I only want us to focus on the top three. Let's just pick winners on the on the uh, the, co- the 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 co- the main event the co main event and then mm-hmm. the um, the main card. Which right now the main card only has four fights, and they, I guess they're gonna move up something from the prelims to the. To the main, who knows? Let's yeah. start with the champion. Champion versus challenger. This is a rematch. Stipe Miocic against Francis Zgano. Uh, Miocic won the first one, but I think pitching shutout ball, right? Like uh, five mm-hmm. rounds to zero. He did get mm-hmm. caught, and he did he did eat a couple of shots, which we know we know shake the gods. I think someone compared Francis Nganu's hits to um, uh, running into a Ford Escort. So um, <laughs> the dude's ridiculous. So I'm gonna go first on picking a winner here. Francis Zagano got better. Francis Zagano was improved on his takedown defense, and and this every fight starts on his feet before wrestling occurs, but. Somehow, some way, I think um is gonna win us again. I think he's gonna pitch I think he's gonna pitch shutout ball and he might even score a submission like a rare naked in the fourth round. I think his gas tank is really good. I think he his his chin is better than people give him credit for because a lot of people think he doesn't have a chin because Daniel Cormier knocked him out. But mm-hmm. but Cormier who doesn't have to cut weight hits hard. So I mean and he's a sneaky dude. He doesn't have the reach. But them short guys like Mike Tyson, you know, that little pickle boot thing where you come up with an uppercut or or like an overhand. Um once again, Stepe comes in as the underdog and I'm I'm really tired of picking against him because you know he's an underdog. This one, this one I'm going with the dog. I'm picking Steepe. Who you got?
1: Yeah, I, honestly this feels exactly like the same setup as the first one where Nugano is just knocking everybody's heads off their shoulders and Steepe is, you know, just quietly being the champion um and everybody sees like you know the the, the highlights of Nuganu and you know don't really see much highlights of of Stipe. he's just fighting you know Daniel Cormier who's you know a blob just moving around the around the uh, octagon so mm-hmm. it's totally different fighters but you know man uh, and i don't even think that Nuganu got better i don't think he got better i think he's just more experienced um i don't mm-hmm. think he changed a lot of of his game plan um because it works the only person that's beat him is Stipe, really steeped you know?
0: and i mean i mean derek lewis that that match shouldn't have even had a declared winner derek lewis uh, yeah. on on paper has a win against nganu but there were total i like tw- 27 total strike attempts in, in three rounds with those Right, events.
1: but but even that nganu lost and and, yeah. and if derek lewis lost that it would have been derek lewis lost not mm-hmm. that ngana won you know like they neither of them threw f- two punches you know so and i think nganu that was a really big uh you know experience uh li- like lifting experience for him because i think that after he got took down that first time with stipe that came back to the next round he was very hesitant to throw um yeah. and you know he didn't want to get taken down you know and that just made the fight just totally Stepe's kind of kind of fight where it's you know you're trying to play a chess match you get close to him you take him down and then it's just like you know you're basically just ragdolling him just hitting him with a couple shots um but, yeah, for me, I think that Ngannou is going to win this one. I think that uh, all he needed was a little bit of experience of if I go out there and I just start r- throwing punches like like the Rosenstruck fight, like this guy can't – like Stipe is not going to knock out N- Ngannou, you know? He might as well take chances, you know? And, and if he hits him with ap- one punch, one punch, yeah, Stipe got that. He ate one punch before, he but it be, was one punch trouble. and nothing followed behind it, right? He got hit. And then they both separated and then, you know, it was back to fighting again. Yeah. When Nugano does his rampage thing, I mean, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, like seriously, I don't I don't care if there's an NFL person. I would never want that. He's like UFC's Mike Tyson, a lot, lot worse. But, you know, he's got that power that, that makes people scared. So for me, I think that if he was smart, he would start throwing to the body as opposed to the head. Because I know he's a headhunter, but if he could throw to that body, he's going to starch any type of yes. uh, wrestling move or any type of dip down. So mm-hmm. if he can start working with a couple of uppercuts, a couple of body shots, even if he takes a couple hits, that's fine because Steve Bay is not going to knock him out. Steve Bay doesn't even have the reach for that. So uh, for what I'm saying is if, if they really can game plan correctly, which I don't see that happening because their fights just finish too fast. You don't see you can't what's game different, plan right? for, for, for a first round knockout. You don't see you what's know?
0: different, right? You don't.
1: Yeah, I don't. We have the I don't same see anything, reason anything different. Here.
0: You don't see what's different. Yeah.
1: The only thing I could see that would change is that Ningano would let his hands go, especially in that first round, even though he did last fight. But he did that in a reckless manner. You know, I feel like we're saying again, or like I'm saying again, if he can game plan that reckless manner to be body shot, body shot, headshot, as opposed to five or six, you know, roundhouse headshots, like all Ningano has to do is jab jab this dude and it's going to feel like a brick you and know it, what I mean and like it's, you
0: said it punch, try to punch a hole in this chest because a lot of um, a lot of those a lot of classic boxers duck in and left exactly. duck in and right so if you just go there you and might that's where actually, that overhead comes yeah. in you know what I mean yeah. oh my god yeah well yeah. to quote great Jackson or John Mike Winkle, John, if you want a spectacular knockout you got to go to the body <laughs> it's co, true co-main event Tywin Woodley uh, versus Vince Vicente uh, Vicente Luque
1: Luque yeah, I mean, you want this one first? Cause I'll do this one quick. I think that Tyrone's done, man. I mean, I, I just I don't think that he's that type of a guy who wants to win fights anymore. And by winning fights, I mean doing what Brunson did. Sometimes I gotta wrestle. Sometimes I gotta fight standing up. Sometimes I just gotta clench and knee him up, then put him on the ground, and then just make him feel pain for five rounds. I don't think that's what Tyrone Woodley ever wanted. I think he stepped in the sport to be a highlight player and, and you know when he lost that shine on his armor, you know, everybody was like, Well, just you know, stay away from the right, just keep, you know, pecking him a little bit. You're gonna win the fight in five round decision, or you can kinda, you know, put the hurt on him and maybe finish him a little earlier. But yeah, time round for me, I think he's just uh outdated.
0: It pains me to to agree on 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 uh On a large scale with you, because for years I've been the biggest Tyron Woodley supporter as a human being. You see this guy hes a wrestler. He wants to do MMA. He's putting in the work. He gets the right coaches. He respects his opponents. I remember Kelvin Gastelum missing weight. And um, Tyron Woodley won by split decision. uh, Because this is when Gastelum was fighting at 170. Mm -hmm. And I found out later. Like later on that night, the 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 purse that you forfeit for missing weight, like a third of your purse, Tyron Woodley gave that money back. Hmm. I mean, that's just a you know he puts all of his money into into the projects in St. Louis where he's from. He's when he's like Ice Cube. He's one of them guys when you know be true to the game. You and but you you know he's not yelling Compton and moves to Riverside. He practices what he preaches. He was listed as one of the most the, the, 20, the twenty one of the top twenty five most influential men in the state of Missouri, period. Yeah. And that's something a lot a lot of people don't talk about. So I'm only going to defend him up to a point where if you look at his last three losses, the champ, Kamaru Usman, right. whatever, I'm going to do about that. Yeah. Kobe Covington, a, a, a better upgraded version of Woodley, right? Good wrestling and just takes you down. And Gilbert, uh, Gilbert Burns. These are not, I mean... Even if he's in his prime, those, those he could still be. He could still go zero and three against those guys. I don't I, think so, though. I pick him over Luque, but I will say if he loses the Luque, he should just retire. I Absolutely. think that's four in a row. That would be four in a row. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think... But, he,
1: but yeah, I agree with you. I'm still picking Tyrant Woodley. Uh, you are? I don't think Luque is... Yeah, I don't think Luque is ready for for this level yet, uh, especially yeah. off his last game. Luque is
0: hungry. It's still a dangerous yeah, match is. for Tyrant. he
1: is. Really They're not doing Tyron any yesterday's. favors
0: by giving him burns and whatever.
1: He, that's what I mean. You know, I think this is kind of like, a, hey, you can kind of be that gatekeeper right now, mm-hmm. uh, see if this kid's ready to move up, and I don't think that kid's ready to move up, so he's probably going to get starched. But, you know, I just... You know, I don't think Tyrone's really a top five fighter at his division anymore.
0: No. the, the division's evolved and he, and he might be a little past his prime. I'm not saying he's over the hill, but he might be a little past a I little bit past of what his best was. You know, I
1: just was. think he's the same fighter he's been for the last three, four years.
0: You know? Oh, and the divisions change and he's
1: Yeah, everything's so, I mean, look at you know, all these guys like Charles Oliver Charlie's the Charlie Oliveira Yeah, would never make it in the division yeah. four years ago. You know what I mean? But there's so much that he's doing now. Like he's not gonna knock anybody out, but he's gonna put pain on people. He's gonna maybe, he's maybe gonna submit you. He's maybe gonna take you down. He might just clinch. He could yeah. kick, he could punch. Well for him moving like, to
0: 155 was, was the key for him. 145 yes. sucking down and this and that and getting those losses. 155, he's, his win loss record is, is, is ridiculous. That's is why he has a title shot. But yeah, Vincent Luca, I like the match because they're not doing Tyron Woodley any favors. They give him a hungry young dude. And it's, mm-hmm. really, it's really time to see if the old line's ready to give up the goods. And pass it on to the young line, or or if he if it's his, his if it's his place to say hey, step back you know step back it ain't your time right. I'm still up here you know so um, okay third let's do one more and then we're gonna move on to shame or not to shame Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Alme- Almeida now um, I like Thomas Almeida um, he was undefeated till he pl- he faced Cody Garbrandt. He's mm. he's one of them guys that likes to get after it, and even though Sean O'Malley is a good striker, I think it takes accurate striking and power to finish all made of the way the way Garbrandt did, and mm. and he's very very long reach like like O'Malley, and his wrestling is highly underrated, and I think O'Malley at twelve and one is is I'm loath to say is is geared up for another loss here, and 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 I mean I don't. I, I'm trying to be unbiased, but I want guys like O'Malley to win cuz he's good for the sport, right? Just like you wanted um we want Kevin Holland to win because he's chatty or whatever, but he's not I mean, it's not a, like a douchey thing. You 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 want him to win cuz he's good for the sport. You know, he's going to be on yeah, the absolutely. highlight whatever. Got to go. Yeah, I mean, Got to go Thomas Almeida on this one though.
1: They're both some of the most entertaining fighters in the UFC, you know, inside and out. Um, you know, with me Sean O'Malley man, uh especially watching that last fight, you know, and he's been Pretty much in the hurt train, you know, the injury train for a while. I think that he might have to think about a division change. You know, he's a long, lanky fighter, and uh, unless he starts thinking about submission games, you know, and how to how to work the the ground again, like we're talking about, like a Charles Oliveira is like a perfect all around type of fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can take down, where you can strike. You know, I don't see Mally being very like. It's the same. Like if you're gonna get take down, you're gonna get beat up. You know, you cannot be a striking specialist without some sort of, especially takedown defense or just, you know, ground game. Um, especially if that's what in, I see.
0: Especially if he's, if he's in it to be the champ. If right. you're in it to be the champ, you have to look at all of the obstacles in front of you. Look at like the top right. three in front of you, right? I mean, even Dominic Cruz will house him right now. Yeah. So, I mean, and Dominic Cruz is like on the outside op- uh. right of the top five.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a better matchup for him. I just think anytime he's against a wrestler, he's got a game plan. Anytime he's got against a guy that could take him down, he needs a game plan for that. You know, and that again, like we we're talking about with Naganu, it's as simple as throwing knees, throwing body shots, throwing kicks to the body. You know, you, you, there's so many people who have gotten head kicked while they're trying to dive, like we were saying, trying to duck under or trying to go change levels and takedown, you know, and they just find themselves into the somebody's shin. Um, so again, I think it's just a different game plan. If you're fighting a wrestler, not that you fight defensively, but you have to fight aggressive defensively, you know, like you, you're on your back foot. Anytime they come at you, you kick them, you, you know, you throw a knee, you know, you do something to the body or you give them an uppercut, you know, something to keep them from changing levels. Um, and then when they're on the defensive, you go on the offensive, you do what you do best, you know, but you cannot go out there and be aggressive offensively because then you put yourself in a position to be taken down. You can't go out there and be passive, because then that guy's going to walk you down like Derek Brunson, get into a clinch, and then put you on the ground. So again, like there's just... Different levels to this, and I think O'Malley has talked himself to a higher level than his skill. And, really
0: and now, and now it's time to either he performs. And it now it's, it's time
1: to you know, right.
0: man, <laughs> give man, what but, you getting. But man, did Brunson put a Debbie Downer on as far as like blueprinting on how to on how to um reminding people on how to face good strikers? Yes, <laughs> you know, it's people. like God, God damn it, Brunson! You had to remind people who were wrestlers that they shouldn't fall in love but, with their hands and get knocked out by by these K one dudes, or, right? Or more you know, dudes, you know? I, oh well, yeah uh, that's Blachowicz, funny right how about that right i mean yon right? is like why are you trying to why are you getting baited into fighting a freaking muay thai or k1 dude you know right or grand prix dude no
1: you know i think it's either i think it's also like you know you see what khabib did you know and that's mm-hmm. just domination he barely even had to be on his feet to dominate people yep. and then you see what blahovich did to, to um
0: yeah to uh, Izzy yeah. and then
1: that was just like you didn't you didn't expect it would be that lopsided you know you see what uh, you know it happened to Nagano last time with Stephen Miocic I just again I think that, that just a wrestling man. is the best basis you could have for this
0: sport that was a schooling dude
1: that reminded me schooling. very
0: much of like TJ Dillashaw against Um Lineker John Lineker who 135 mm. who was like just starching people and I'm and they thought he's gonna starch TJ and TJ's like you know I don't have the knockout power to take this guy but I'm gonna take him to school I'm going to throw a head kick, I'm going to throw a body kick, come in, lift him off his feet, dump him on his head, and try to punch him, try to elbow him in his face. So, you know, bad example, but as far as, like, because of you know what TJ got caught for, but mm-hmm. but I I haven't seen, as far as, like, schooling, like, strikers, like, just taking them to school for three rounds and just, you know, looking at them, knowing that you ain't got nothing. Not, I put him and Stepe against Ngannou in that same category. Um, all right, hey, that's MMA, man. Listen, we gave y'all an overload on that, man. You're welcome. But now... Now Rob, it's time for topic four. And topic four, you know, is one of my favorite. Rob, I give you to shame. Or not to shame.
1: Shame. Shame.
0: Shame. 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 Okay, let's do this. check. Let's stop the clock. Rob. To shame or not to shame, we're going to go to the NBA. Solomon Hill's foul on LeBron James. Some called it a dirty hit. Some called it – some said. Some say it was clean. Some say it was incidental. So if we're going to go shame, it's because it's dirty or not to shame because cause shit happens, okay? So, Rob, to shame or not to shame, Solomon Hill's foul on LeBron James, which is going to sideline him for a while. Floor's yours. Go.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I would have to say not to shame, especially when, you know, they both came out and saying, you know, how Hill said that, you know, he, LeBron knows I didn't mean to do it. You know, everything's okay. Uh, but you know, this play actually takes me back to Patrick Beverly and Russell, uh, Westbrook from mm. the, I think the Western conference, uh, you know, finals or something like that. Yep. And Patrick Beverly did the same thing. He, he cut under, you know, the ball carrier and, and kind of cut out his, his knee and, and, uh, took him out of the game and, and Russell was out for a while. Um, but to me, it's just, you know, I don't want to call them lazy, but it's lazy ball handling. You have a ball in your hand, you know, you can't be putting it out there for a defender. They should immediately go and do that. You know, uh, bad passes, bad, bad posture for, for a ball carrier. So for me, uh, I just think that that's good aggressive defense. And, you know, offensive player tries to put themselves in between the player, the, the defender and the ball. You know, it's no one's real fault, but, you know, you just don't want those things to happen. So it's just unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Me, Rob, I got to go shame for all of those same reasons. I say shame, 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 because if you look at the replay and and, I mean, slow motion uh, uh, does it an injustice because slow motion doesn't really tell what you what you're feeling in real time. But with that being said, once there was a scramble for the ball and once LeBron established possession and the ball was high and the guy was low. He had no reason to keep going low. He, he got undercut, and I mean, sometimes things happen when someone puts that foot down in your body. Usually it twists your knee. This time it got on LeBron's ankle, and it was a high ankle sprain. And a lot of it looks incidental, but, but in light of the fact that you and I both brought, brought the attention of Beverly and Russell Westbrook, it's almost a technique i mean sometimes you're you're hitting the ground to go after the ball but to me you go after you you hit the ground to go after the ball because the ball it's on some level is on the ground or on some level the ball is at eye level or below eye level to you and that ball was way above eye level um and i gotta go shame man that looked i know he apologized or whatever but in real time i just i that just looked dirty man dude that that just looked dirty 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 you know what i mean maybe at the end you you sorry that that he got injured because of that, but I mean, now, 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 Lebron. I mean, Lebron, man, I, at the MVP race, he looked like he was looking pretty damn good until that happened. But, but just, just the same, as long as I mean, he apologized. I mean, he's not a dirty guy, you know. Like no. if you look at his reputation, he's not a dirty player. He doesn't he's not flagrant fouling people like you know.
1: No, but I think the same thing, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Patrick Patrick Beverly is not a dirty player because he's done a ton of things. He talks a lot, you know, but there are the work harders, you know, the guys who who are in there that in that position in the league because they bust their butt, yep. you know, they do their work, they 100 percent effort all the time, and when you're playing a guy like LeBron, who's you know Solomon Hill's what six four, LeBron 200, you know, an extra 40, 50 pounds on him, so. Most players have to play very, very, very physical against LeBron. And then when you say, you know, you're trying to go for a steal, he's just trying to go like heavy as heavy as he can. And then if you put your body, you lean your body against the other guy who is 60 pounds heavier.
0: You're fighting for position. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to throw yourself into him to fight that position. So it's just, again, really unfortunate but uh i don't even think lebron should have been in that situation you know i think he should have been a much more uh in, a, in an athletic position to make a move away from that defender as opposed to you know kind of standing tall and being relaxed when that defender is close at distance already so for me that was just kind of you know freakish. again
0: yeah, freakish yeah you got to
1: be yeah you got to be aware
0: you know All right, cool so that's um to shame and not to shame but now topic 5 we go to quick question quick question <laughs> <laughs> Rob, let's see if we could lighten them out, but if it's super necessary to follow up, do what you got to do, okay? A uh, quick question. Thumbs up or thumbs down? AJ Green signs with the Cardinals. Yeah, go thumbs up. Yep. Quick question. Trent Williams, six-year, $138 million contract with the Niners. Big ups. <laughs> thumbs <but> up. How, <laughs> how old is he going to be after six years? Oh, my mm. goodness. My God! Quick question: NFL (laughs) planning for an in-person draft in Cleveland? Good idea or bad idea? (sighs)
1: I'll go first on this.
0: Bad idea. I mean, go one more year virtually. One more year. Yeah, I I don't
1: get it. I know. I know. Everybody wants their thing. You know, their shine. But you're gonna get it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Quick question, Rob. Nick Foles is out of Chicago. Should he go back to Philly as a back as a viable backup? Mm.
1: Probably because I don't know who else is going to pick him up. I think his career is coming to an
0: end. Uh, Phil is a good place to end his career as a backup. Yeah. Philly loves him. I mean, Or Miami. Look, you Look, like you win too. a ring. No, Philly don't care if you suck. I mean, they'll boo Santa Claus, but they'll cheer foals. So that's, that's true. That's a good idea. A uh, quick question. We revisit this topic every month, but now that the demographic has shifted, I'm going to ask the same annoying question. Who wins the NFC East? Ooh,
1: so this ain't going to be quick. But I'm going to tell you, the G-men going to win it because they just got three big-time free agency signings, man. We just got a Dory Jackson, big-time cornerback. We got Leonard Williams back, and we just got our number one wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. So we're actually going to have to draft a lineman in the draft, and then we're going to have a real team. We're going to see what's up. So it's going to be Giants this year in the NFC East.
0: I got to go with the G-men. you know why? Because as talented as the Cowboys are, some way – Somehow, when you count on them, they will let you down. Accident waiting. (laughs) Accident waiting to happen. (laughs) Uh, I'm a hater. Yes, I am. Uh, No, but listen, Fitz with Washington, Fitz finally got a defense. But once Fitz gets his money, you know how he acts. So I'm not even. Mm -hmm. You know, Philly's a hot. He'll play. He'll play. Philly's a hot mess. First five
1: games, he's gonna light it up. After that, you know, gotta go, G man. Gotta
0: go with you, G man. Yeah. Um. Quick question: Should the Warriors trade to get Lonzo, Alonzo Ball? Yes or no?
1: Ah, uh, I don't think so. I think the the team they have right now is is going to work out. They just need a, a little
0: little health. <laughs> get Thompson back. I say no. That's a big pretty one. much. Yeah. Um, quick question: Will Pro Bowl safety Keanu Neal help the Cowboys?
1: Oh, for sure. That's yeah. going to be the best pickup for this for this division. I, I was surprised when I saw that happen and. I think that that's the one position they really need to improve at. So,
0: yep.
1: yeah, big signing.
0: You got to go yes with that. Uh, quick question. Oh, man, that's a Deshaun Watson thing. Is it starting to look like a conspiracy <laughs> to be continued next week? Nope, we ain't touching that. Yeah. Nope. Um, quick question. How about this? Which one was the better signing, Galladay for the Giants or Deshaun Jackson for the Rams?
1: Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I got to go with uh, Galladay just because there are no wide receivers <laughs> that are number one capabilities in, in New York. Um, and then, you know, Deshaun Watson's kind of past his prime now, so he's kind of a one-trick pony. So, yeah, I got to go with uh, Galladay here.
0: Nice. Quick question. Should Juju Smith-Schuster have signed with the Ravens instead of staying with Pittsburgh?
1: Absolutely. Oh, man, I feel so bad for him. But at least it's a one-year deal. Yeah, You know, he's he can pick again next year, so.
0: Look, he has a better shot at winning a ring with the Ravens, but he definitely has love in the city of Pittsburgh. So, um, but I gotta—I I guess I gotta—I gotta go. Gotta, gotta go with you. Yes, he should have. That was an opportunity, and he should have. Um, yeah. LaMelo, La, Lamelo Ball fractured his wrist. Is, did he still do enough to win Rookie of the Year? <sighs> he said, "Not what yeah." You're not yeah
1: <laughs> I think so, though. I mean, it's three—you know—you're three quarters way through the season, you mm-hmm. know, and he was. Dude, he is the best rookie I've seen in a long time. A long time. They said he was I mean, he's not really a rookie, brother. but, you know.
0: Right? They said he was better than Ooh. his brother and they were right. This dude is He's better
1: than both his brothers and his dad combined, yeah. and that's not saying a lot.
0: And he speaks killer. The dude's a killer, mm-hmm. man. He when is. Was he's the, got, when definitely was the last time the, ice. the NBA had a true, you know, a true rough rider instead of someone just wow. thumping their chest and and right. performing? Sometimes this kid performs every night, dude.
1: On all places too. Yes. I mean, assists, rebounds, scoring, defense. Like maybe not as much defense, but yeah, he, he's he's a player.
0: Yep. Cool, man. That's it for quick question. Last topic. And man, we're running on time, dude. Before we go, uh, a shout out to a female. You, maybe you got one, maybe you don't, but I think this is the last week, and I gotta give it up to Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond currently is the assistant coach, the top assistant for, for Popovich for the San Antonio Spurs. But her path to get there, man, was so deserving. And she um was with the San Antonio Silver Star. She averaged up, she averaged 13 points a game, nineteen uh, but but nineteen point five was her best season. And that was like kind of a championship run. She lost in the finals to um, Detroit, but she some games in the playoffs or some series playoffs. She was averaging twenty points per game, which is ridiculous. Her she's led the league in free throw uh, percentage of six times, and one season, Rob, a thousand. She hit every her last season in the league. She hit every single free throw talk about taking care of controllables. This woman is awesome and I'm not I mean we're running out of time but I want to have a I got a quote here from Paul Gasol said I played with some of the best players of this generation. I played under two of the sharpest minds in the history of the sports, Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich and I'm telling you Becky Hammond can coach. I'm not saying she can coach pretty well. I'm not saying she can coach enough to get by. I'm not saying she can coach almost at the level of the, of the NBA's top male coaches. I'm saying Becky Hammond can coach NBA basketball, period.
1: I remember that. Yeah, that was was a real quote. Yeah, Yeah, like my, my woman is, uh, my woman is uh, more of a culmination of the U.S. gymnastics team, but um, more specifically, Simone uh, uh, Biles, I can't remember how to say that name correct, but um, her, but. Even just before her, you know, the Olympics where the U.S. Women's National Team, you know, had to deal with all these Larry Nasser things that were going on. And while I was watching that, you know, that Olympic Games, you know, there was something I could just – I always had to watch that women's gymnastics and be like, huh, what's wrong? What's going on? Like, they, they're in the greatest place they could be. Other people look, you know, distraught, but they look – I mean, other people look, you know, stressed, but they look distraught. And they still came through and won, you know, all-around gold, you know, they won four floor gold, you know, they, I think they won uh, a couple more uh, like silver's bronze. Uh, and then the next year, Simone Biles comes in, uh, the next Olympics comes in and just dominates, you know, and it just shows how amazing the the U.S. gymnastics team uh, really is. And it's just sad that, um, you know, one person really took down a lot of their, you know, mental fortitude, you know? So I, I just want a big shout out to U.S. women's gymnastics team uh, of being strong and standing up for yourself and, and uh, hopefully you're in a safe environment now.
0: Well, to quote the the, the the great Morgan Freeman in the movie Shawshank Redemption, I guess some birds' wings are too shiny to be caged. You know, through it's all true. of that, she still shined. She still got the rub. People, transcendent in a sense, and our definition, in the classic sense of the word, transcendent means that people that don't watch the sport know who you are. Um, big up to her great 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 woman shout out this is uh women's history month so we're trying to do one woman every single thing and, and, and to attach to our category before we go also before we go RIP uh to elgin Baylor um long uh starting to finish his entire year as a as a or see, uh career as a laker um i, I do have a uh, memory of him scoring 61 points in a game five in the playoffs um so he's he's you know, twenty plus points a game. He's he's one of those guys that deserves his respect. And the Lake community, you know, heart heart uh, wears their heart heavy for for him in the last few days though. so R.I.P. to Elgin Baylor. Um, Rob, before we go, is there anything you'd like to tell our audience before we leave?
1: No, stay safe, stay happy, keep doing what you love.
0: See, that is love from Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. That's Rob. I'm Jason DeBis. This is episode 59. I love you to pieces too, man. And for this episode, until next week, we're out. Peace out, people. Come check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.